Hey everyone, before we kick this episode off, I urge everyone listening to like and subscribe to our podcast, wherever you may get your podcast from. So if you listen to us on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating, or also subscribe to us on Spotify. And I urge all of our listeners to head to our website, and you can get more than just our podcast from there. We have news stories all the time there, we have feature articles there, so head to tnpmedia.au, that's tnpmedia.au. Alright, without further ado, we'll get stuck into the podcast. Talk and Power, your motorsport and motoring radio show. Now on 88.5 FM, the valley comes alive. And podcasting across iTunes and talkandpower.com.au. Hey everyone, it is Nick from the Talking Power Podcast. I hope you have all had a great Christmas and an excellent New Year's. It is 2024. Who can believe it? Who can believe that we are into another new year here at the podcast? And I hope you've all had uh, great festivities over the Christmas and New Year's break. Uh, it's not uncommon for us to do our best of podcast, so... You know, we're doing the same again this year. We're going to kick the best of podcast off. We've got just some of our highlights from the year, so we hope you sincerely enjoy them. Our first one, we're going to kick off right at the start of the year. We spoke with Mitchell Rando. He was Motivation 37 Grand Champion. So we had him in the studio earlier on in the year. Let's catch up with Mitchell as we spoke all about his award-winning Camaro. We've, I won't say started a tradition, but we kind of, we kind of had, we've started a tradition last year. We got Simon Birch on the podcast because he was Motivation 36 winner. And I thought, I like this idea. I think we need to continue it going and get every year we have the Motivation Grand Champion winner on the podcast. So I thought, well, let's, let's keep that going. And here we are with you this year. The Motivation 37 for 2023 Grand Champion winner. How does that how does that sound to you like when people say that? Um, well, it was a pretty big surprise to even get it. We nearly didn't even enter. It was about a, I don't know, two week before entry. I think it was like entry number 400 and something. So I was pretty <laughs> late. Um, wanted to go back, a bit of uh, unfinished business and, and give the car a shot. But um, definitely didn't expect to be anywhere near even competing for Grand Champion. So it was a pretty, um, pretty big surprise even to be there. Yeah, really? Okay. All right. Because yeah, I know you, you were in it the year before and I thought maybe the car the car wasn't quite completed or there was... So the car was um, com- well completed as far as um, the build had just finished, but uh, no real testing or anything like that. Mm. So um, it was actually nothing to do with the car's fault, why it uh, went wrong. I, my, uh, <laughs> I guess the calibration of the fuel gauge wasn't something I was used to and it went from, um, it was just below or hitting on empty and I thought I should be right. Um Turns out I probably should have filled it up before he got to motivation. I probably would have been fine and finished the whole weekend. Yeah, okay. But, um, yeah. Yep, yep. We'll talk about testing in a minute and, and those sorts of things because motivation isn't just isn't just the car, is it? There's a, lot of, there's a lot of aspects to being the grand champion, and we'll talk about that a bit later. But before we get into that, like I guess you need to tell us what got this passion started for cars. Um, I probably started with cars when I was 16, but, um, I mean, I was always, always loved cars, but, um, my old man was a, was a rev head back when he was a, a young bloke and he was a mechanic. Um, I wanted to be a mechanic. He talked me out of it, said, you'll hate it. 
and um, here I am in IT, but um, I've still always had that passion of cars the whole time. I think I've had a, a car in the shed and, and one on the road pretty much the whole time since I was 16 right the way to now, as much to my wife's disgust. Yeah. Does that help being out of the industry? I think so. I think if I actually um, worked in it full time, I wouldn't have the same um, drive to do my own cars because you sort of get, I've got lots of friends that are like that, big rev heads, but their own cars are usually the last one to get touched. Mm. So, yeah. Is that, the, would, could you, because you're in the industry. Yeah, well, it's, I agree with the, your own cars get the last one, are always the last ones to get touched. You know what I mean? It, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Especially in the cleaning side of things, it's like, oh, man, you're just cleaning cars all day. The last thing you want to do is yours. Yeah. It, it, it makes the difference of going to an event and not going to an event sometimes. It's like, you know what, I need to, it needs to present well, you know, whether you're a detailer or not. So you might just go, you know, I'll just sit this one out. Cause, yeah. yeah. I've often wondered that as well because I'm not in the industry either. So I often think to myself, would I be like this if I was? And I'd, I'd sometimes think I probably wouldn't. I think you're right. Like, it may be a help not being in the industry and it's more of a passion. And it's a time away from work, isn't it? Oh, it is, yeah. Look, when I get home from using my, my head all day and um, in front of a computer, I guess, uh, the, it's a big outlet um, using your hands and fixing issues on, on cars and assembling something or pulling yeah. something apart. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, it's always, I've always been interested in, um, in, in knowing that. Well, let's get back to, to Grand Champion. I, I'm, I'm going to say this wholeheartedly, but it takes a lot of skill, not just in building the car, but it also takes a lot of skill on the track as well, doesn't it? So what I, what I mean by that is, so the Grand Champion, what people need to understand is you basically need to win the eighth mile, go to woe and the slalom events. Well, not win it, but do very well in those events. Yeah, so um, for instance, last year I, I made top 10 last year um, in the judging. Um, I was disqualified because I didn't get through all those three events and a lot of cars are really high, high-end cars, in, um, whether they're in the pavilion or not, but they judge really well, but a lot of them don't really get it set up to drive um, mm. on the track very well and, um, or some of them don't want to beat up their cars. They love them too much. Yep, um, yep. Yeah, that car was built to, to drive. Yeah, yep. So talk us through the that. Do you... I guess it's hard to, you might not be able to answer this honestly, but is it hard to practice for those sorts of things? Did you go down on Wednesday nights and practice the eighth mile or? I used to. Yeah. Um, I, was, I mean, I've been going to motivation, or I, I was going to motivation probably since for 20 years, probably. Yeah. Stopped for a long time period while I had kids and that, but I mean, I've been around driving drags, all that kind of stuff. Um, as for taking that, that event and those events out, um, the car makes a big difference. Um, some of the cars have way too much power and they just blow the tyres off. Um, that being a car that's really drivable, handles really well, makes it a pretty good all-rounder for that kind of event. Mm. Um, I'm sure if I lined most of those cars up in an eighth mile on a prep track, they would um, probably be uh, they'd be over the finish line before I barely left. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah okay. Right on. Yep. I noticed... You, you took out first place in all three of those, correct me if I'm wrong? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, thought, I thought as much. Talk us through what it's like beating – these are just some names here. Like, you beat uh, Nigel War and uh, Dean uh, Ricard as well. So, it was interesting to watch their different driving techniques and Simon as well. Simon Birch was in that as well. Uh, techniques. And what I mean I, – I say that some of those cars for the Slalom weren't – especially Simon's, I don't think was really set up for a Slalom event. But – it was 
you could see the different techniques, but obviously you honed that skill, or you, you do, or do you just rocked up there on the day and said, like, this is what I'm going to do? No, look, my plan on the day was, um, I, I guess I've watched it for a fair few years, and you see, yeah, cars like um, Simon's, they're, they're probably not made for handling, but such an awesome car, and the guy gives it everything. But mm. um, And then there's cars uh, like, um, like Nigel's, which have just got ridiculous power. Um, I guess I pulled up the line thinking I'll ease it off and just try and could see the track was really marbly, so I just sort of eased it off the line and just tried to just nurse it till I got traction and then tried to get into it a bit, and it just yeah. made it consistent, I guess, is probably the biggest thing, is consistent across yeah. all three. Yeah, yeah. No, I can certainly understand that. Um, you actually drove the car to the track and back home, didn't you? I ended up um, – I was supposed to drive it there. I ended up uh, driving it home. I got it uh, got it there on a tilt tray because I just got it cleaned, but um, – yeah, look, I drove to work the day before and it sat in the car park all day. So, yeah, I generally drive it all the time. It goes to Hillary's with the kids and Christmas light cruises and all sorts of aircon running. That's good. Yeah. Our next episode was we've, we, made, we made the journey down to Pinjarra and caught up with a whole heap of guests down at Max Pinjarra right at the start of April. And I can assure you we'll be doing the same again this year as well. Uh, I'll be really looking forward to that event. Uh, we, we really enjoy it. So we caught up with a whole lot of guests down there at, at, um, at Max Pinjarra, um, including Richie Howlett, Dave from Bad Q Garage, DJ from Automotive Carnage, Tex and John from Raw, uh, Raw Talk, uh, Byron from Down... The Shed with Byron, Yanni from Yanni's Garage, Julian Scafidi from Perth City Street Machine, and Phil and Dan from Aussie Garage TV. So without further ado, let's have a listen to that episode there. Well, I am here with the man of the moment, Richie Howlett. Richie, thank you for joining us on the podcast at Ping Max. Nick, it's great to be back with you doing, uh, doing the podcast. Yeah. Thank you. No, thank you. Thank you for coming on. Richie, I'm going I'm to admit something to you. And I'm embarrassed to admit it, but I'm going to admit it. This is the first Max I've ever been to, so I'm you don't really have sorry. To admit that I know that this is the first time <laughs> I've seen you here. Remember, I've been running this event for 14 years. I know who comes and goes. But I've got to be honest with you. I love it. I think this Thank is you. a magnificent event, and I'm Thank definitely you. coming back one way or another, whether it be with the the YouTubers or not. Um, the guys here. I shouldn't say they conned me. They said, "Look, you should come down." I said, "You know what? I will." You know, and I'm glad I did. Now, I'm glad I did. And, and I'm glad that you're here too, because obviously you've got a huge audience, and uh, and there might be people just like you who thought, "Yeah, I've heard of the show, but I haven't really been to check it out." Now, all of a sudden, we're introducing ourselves to to that audience, mm. and now you know that you know the show is a bit more than just a few cars on an oval yeah it is and it's and that's all we're talking about before julian from julian scafidi that is came on the podcast and we'll have any act with him and i was i was amazed by the a a the amount of people but b the family environment that's here as well and like even just looking out like there's so many people here milling around having a look at the cars and the quality of cars absolutely magnificent yeah look we're always impressed with uh, the cars that we see here and we always have a great variety but getting back to the family thing and that's always been been the aim of Max Pinjaro. I kind of bill it as a family fun day around the car show. Mm. So we, we work really hard to make sure that it's affordable. Uh, it's only $10 an adult and kids under 16 are free. 
free and all of the kids entertainment that we've got over there is all free mm. so mum and dad have got a few extra bucks to buy an ice cream or a hamburger or, or something else so it's always been about creating a, a, a good friendly family friendly atmosphere that people want to bring their kids to yeah yeah no I must say you know, you've done a really magnificent job in doing that and the Shire the Shire of Murray that's correct yeah, it is the Shire of Murray and you know they they are just so good to work for and they've been supporters of our event right from the get-go from year one they gave us some money as a seed fund to get it up and running and off the ground and every year since you know they've they've helped us along the way with in-kind support with money support and you know with helping us make things happen you know mm. but yeah I can't thank the Shire of Murray enough for, yeah. for what they do for us yeah we're, we're in when you think about it but we're in the heartland of some of automotive you know if you you go you wander down the road not very far Aruna Harvey there's some some really stout cars that way some stout cars that way in Mandra. I'm pointed to Mandra. I see those. them all the time at my uh, at my Shannon Southern Coffee Cruise. So I know there, there's a very very big car culture uh, here around the Peel and uh, and the Murray region. Yeah, and I must say we're in that. This is the I call this the heartland. I guess Pinjarra of it, of it all, and it's good to see it. Of these course, cars we're only here. we're only a couple of k's up the road from the famous Ravenswood Raceway. That's right. Yes, yes, and that's what. Like, I mean, we'll talk, I had a quick yak with Stewie before uh, off air, but you know he was saying that. That that was one of the reasons why the show kicked off was because Ravenswood had had finished up, and the Shire really wanted something of a similar nature, not, yeah. not a drag and race. Look, but Noel, who's Noel Nancaro, who's been on our committee right from the get-go, at the time we started the event, he was Shire president, so he. Yeah, he pulled some strings and, and he's the one that wanted to make this event happen. He's a hot rodder as well and, and he wanted an event that's going to draw people into the into the Murray region and build something that people want to come to this area for. Mm, yeah, yeah, no, and he's, he's done a magnificent job. I really I really enjoy the, the environment here and I can, I, I can understand now why this is so popular because because of, of the, the way it is. so easy to deal with as well, like the... To enter as well, like from an, I was an entrant, like entered the car, so easy to do, online, really simple, get a nice email back, and I like the, the initiative you did yesterday as well, the cruise, I couldn't make it up here yesterday, down here yesterday, but I love that initiative as well. Look, for the last few years we've been wanting to expand the show and add a Saturday element. I mean, COVID threw lots of spanners in the work. So yesterday we were able to start with, with this cruise, and it's something that already we're thinking of building on and on talking to somebody else so we're just going to make it bigger and better we had 30 cars come here for the cruise we only ended up with about five coming back here <laughs> but uh, you know 30 cars started and we did a, a nice nice little cruise and when we got back the Lions Club had a barbecue happening and so there were you know sausages and hamburgers and stuff here for them but yeah we were really pleased and it's certainly an element that we're going to start to build build mm. with Max is build this sort of Saturday element to the event. We've got an area behind us where people can bring caravans and sleep in their vans. There's plenty of accommodation around town. Yeah. So yeah, we want to try to encourage people to come and make a weekend of it. Mm, yeah, yeah, and I think there's great merit in that, and especially the region as well. The time of the year, like we're, it's an absolutely magnificent day today. It's not hot at all. It's not cold at all. It's like a really nice day, perfect weather. We're in the perfect area for, for it as well. I think it's, uh, it has yeah. everything going we've, for it. We've been blessed in 14 years with weather. We had one year, 
where we got a couple of showers in the morning, but it didn't dampen enthusiasm or anything. There were still people lining up at the gates. It was great, but yep. touch wood, yeah, we've had, um, we've been blessed with the weather. And as you see, today's a beautiful day again. Yeah, yeah, magnificent. You've done really well, Richie. Another favourite for the year was episode 159 with Nick Kokonos. Nick is uh, instrumental in his work at Wasma and also... Uh, he developed the C4C app that we use here in Western Australia. So it was great to catch up with Nick and discuss all things about Wasma, the van scene as well, and uh, some of the, the stuff that he's been working on with the C4C app. Let's have a listen to that episode. Renegade vans, oh, that's back in the 80s. Um, a friend of mine, my, my best friend, Scott Wilson, and I uh, formed the Renegade Vanners in the Sutherland Shire. Um, best place in the whole country, um, and uh, we didn't. Th there were there were clubs around us like Sin City were over in the next um, district, so in um, uh, just across the, the the river basically. We didn't want to go and join them. We wanted to have our own our own club. Um, I think there was a show on TV called the Renegades, and we picked up the name from there. Mm. Uh, we started the club. Uh, I had a green AZ. Oh, sorry, I had a uh, a Mark One Escort panel van to start with, yep, um, which was pretty cool. Then I tried that in on a a, a green AZ Sandman. Scotty had a um, a Persian Sand HJ panel van, uh, windowless with um, a full grill, uh, and we made up some pamphlets. I got my mum to run off some pamphlets at uh, at her work because no one had um, copy machines back then. And we would see a van driving down the road and we'd pull up beside it and throw the pamphlet out at them and, and then uh, that's how the, the uh, club evolved. This is all obviously in the 80s. It's pre-internet, <laughs> pre-email, pre-everything we have now. Pre-everything, yes. So tell us, like, what was the grind like back in those days to try and get members to get them on board? How, what was that like? A lot like what it is today. You, you still had to um, get things out to people, you'd have to mail out the the, un, the the newsletters rather than sending out a message or or an email because you just didn't have that that type of provision. Mm. Um, I spoke a lot to John Strawn of uh, Alley Cat and the Chrome Exchange fame, uh, and he became a uh, an uh, honorary member of of uh, Renegade Vanners, um, and he was uh, inspirational right throughout what what we did. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Talk us through that Renegades back in those days. There was a particular van that caught my interest. Um, it really showed the sort of modifications that were done in the 80s. But Inner Visions, talk us through that, that particular van there. Inner Visions wasn't a part of our club, though. That, uh, that was a van from up, up north, and that, had, that, that was wild and, and still is wild. Mm. Um, Jag diff, um, massive modification on guards and the front end and... Uh, I think it had um, a, a supercharger on it. That was the bonnet was moulded into the, the uh, top of the the, the, the um, uh, air filters. Yep. Um, again, quite an all the, the the vans from up the, the north coast were were, were uh, quite inspirational. You had uh, Innovisions, you had Street Luke, which is still around today. Yeah. Um, all of those vans sort of uh, helped form the um, the uh, van scene back then. Yeah. For those that are on the concession, like myself, um, if we were to use the app-based technology, 
every time we can only take our vehicles out 90 days a year, 60 club days, 30 private days. If we were to use, if we were, to, if we were on the app technology, we'd use that app to log our our drive. Correct. Correct. So you use it to to log any use, a private use or club use. Um, we've gone along and sort of, I think there's about 20 clubs that are associated with Wasman now mm. that are using the app. So every time one of those clubs creates an event and it's an open event, then anyone who is using the app can use can go to those events and, and, mm-hmm. and use their, their club days for those events. Mm-hmm. There's also a section where you can create a, um, a private use day or an impromptu run day mm-hmm. for those that are on 404. Yep. Um, uh, and that, that'll just give you that use for that, that 24-hour period. Yeah, yeah. It's great technology because look, someone like myself would love to use something like that. Unfortunately, where I find myself is having to use uh, logbooks, and paper because of our because of our member base, but that's that's another story. But I think you know that moving forward, that is the way to that's the technology to be it was, using. It was the whole reason behind doing the app was to take that pressure off the registrars um, who would have to compile all of those those uh, runs. So if you've got twenty guys that are all doing logbooks on on paper and they um, all submitted on the same day, then some poor person has to log all that into a spreadsheet and compile it so that when DOT does an audit, they can present it, whereas the app does all that for them. That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Looking forward to that day, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So tell us the importance of WASMA, bringing car clubs together under the one banner, uh, still the car clubs function independently of each other, but the Wasma, the Wasma is an over looks looks for the best interest of those car, car clubs. Yeah. So what I've seen with the guys from Wasma is that they're all very savvy. When um, from what I've done, I think it's just a small part of of the the, the Wasma um, mm. uh, um, uh, business model, I guess. Yep. The bigger part of it is the work that's done behind the scenes with Department of Transport. And uh, as Wasma grows and gets more and more clubs involved, then they have a larger voice to go to transport with and say, you know, this is what we need to change now. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, what was done before Wasma um, was also fantastic work and if it wasn't done, then we'd, we'd probably be nowhere. We'd, mm. we'd, we'd still be paying full whack for our rego. So mm. you can't forget what was done prior to Wasma um, and then how... Wasma was formed, and, and the reason behind it was so that we'd have a larger voice uh, when we when we go to speak to transport about necessary changes. Yeah, yeah, no, agreed, agreed. And I think you're all doing a magnificent job there at Wasma as well. Talk us now. You'll have to forgive me because Vicky sent these these notes through, and I wasn't aware of this, and I should have probably done my research. But this is the one thing I wasn't aware of. You're working with Wasma with the carb. Liaison. Now, CARB is an acronym, C-A-A-R-B. So I'm not aware of what that is. I All right, well, that's honest. Clubs Against Antisocial Road Behaviour. Mm-hmm. Um, that was born by uh, an, an unfortunate event in Myree where um, some online uh, car clubs uh, were, I guess, infiltrated, for want of a better word, and a lot of human activity going on. Mm-hmm. Um and that caused a lot of problems with the the uh, car clubs, as we are, 
and the the WA police and you know the antisocial side of of, of road behaviour is is a big issue. You know, need one car to get out of control and and uh, hit a bystander who's sitting on the side of the road, egg them on, and we don't want that to happen at at any level. Mm. Um, having to go to those sorts of things. Um, and and deal with the the uh, ripple effect after those, those horrible crashes is, is probably one of the worst things I've ever had to do. Um, so, I uh, Wasma and Waypol had a meeting, and there were some other clubs that were also involved. And I got myself involved at a, a club level. Um, and uh, after the meeting, I decided to create Carb, which was basically wanted that to be a forum where car clubs could come in or car club uh, executives could come in and um, propose ideas to combat this um, the problem of hooning at their events. Mm-hmm. It, it's very hard to stop, um, probably near on impossible to stop because it's been going since um, people worked out that um, V8s could spin up wheels. Yeah. Um, so you know, uh, the only way that we can really stop it is by working together as clubs and making it known to people that, that attend that if they um, want to carry on like that, well, then they're going to attract the wrong sort of attention. If it's a club member that, that does it, then they should be exited from, from that club. Next episode, this one was an interesting one, rated quite well. We didn't have a special guest for this one, but we, we spoke about the biggest week in the UK uh, and we discussed whether, you know, should get over for Silverstone and the Goodwood Festival of Speed. So we had a quick chat about that. In saying that, we did have Denver Parker. So my apologies, Denver, you are a special guest. Um, he also spoke about the Beers 1000 as well for that, that episode. So let's have a listen to that. Anyway, Denver, Beers. The yes. 12 hour, Dust Till Dawn. No, the other way around. That's the movie, Dust Till the, the, Dawn. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> but it was based on that, wasn't <laughs> that, that it? That was, was the theme for the weekend. Yeah, so. yeah. Dawn <laughs> Till Dusk. Yeah. Tell us a bit about it, how you went. Uh, yeah. It didn't really start on time. Unfortunately, being in the middle of winter, daylight only really cracked at about quarter past six. So they mm. held off on that uh, until there was at least enough light because there was no lights on the track, obviously. So. Uh, Got kicked off about 6.30. Um, the first car to retire was seven laps in. <laughs> Naughty Cordy snapped the nose of the crank. Because did, did, did I see an oil down right at the start? Yeah. Was I right in saying? Yeah, yeah. I thought that's <laughs> so what they, I saw. Um, yeah. yeah, they cycled the cars around for a little bit and then brought everyone in. So they had to, um, yeah, there was about half an hour, 45 minutes off cleaning that up. Yeah, um, yeah it looked pretty extensive. Yeah, all the way from the start line, all the way through turn one, right on the apex. So, yeah, yeah it was no, no, no it was special. Mm. <laughs> 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 it wasn't an important part of the track of it. So, yeah, it lost a bit of time with that. Uh, but for the rest of that, it went all right. A lot of attrition cars just had random faults and broken yeah. um, stuff like that. But, yeah, it was a good day. Really, another really well-run event. Um, just, yeah, obviously the lack of daylight. And they ran it to about 5.40 or 5.45 or something mm. uh, when the, the light level just got too low that we couldn't, you know, safely punch around the track anymore. Yeah. So, you know, for a seasoned person, it was all right. But there was a couple of cars that didn't have working lights and things like that. Yeah, so okay. they sort of yeah. pulled the pin on that one. Yeah. So yourself, how many stints did you get? I only did the one because okay. we, we had five drivers, so we okay. um, yep. worked out it's about 
two hours and five minutes each every mm. time everything sort of panned out the pit stops and stuff like that yep. so yeah uh, plus the so the stoppage sort of gave us a bit of breathing space because uh, mm. now they've put in a which makes perfect sense they've got a two-hour limit for drivers um to not drive three or four hours or mm. yeah something silly fatigue or kick in or yeah you know, if they've got a fuel tank big enough just to keep circulating and not pit so <laughs> yep They've introduced that, so yeah, we just worked from the guidelines and away we went. Yeah. Yeah, so. so you have to forgive me. What what car were you campaigning? Sorry, we've I've done that twice now. <laughs> we've, it's a Mirage with an FTO running gear in it. So oh, we've got a two liter V six. Sounds pretty hot. Yeah, <laughs> it's a Mirage. <laughs> 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 no, but it's it's light. It's well, so yeah, it's a nice car to drive. It's actually really compliant. Turns in, brakes, does everything yeah. you want it to. You know, it's not a car you have to fight. It doesn't want to snap into oversteer or understeer and things like that. So yeah, okay, yeah, it's actually it's just it's pleasant to drive. It's not harsh. Yeah, uh, which yeah, I mean, you're doing two hours. What you really want. Hmm. So. Yep. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. No, it's good to see. So you came fourth there. That was the Ramrod, is that right? That's correct, yep. Yep, all right. So, Boy Blue, who are they? So, that's oddly enough a bunch of our mates. So, they've been doing it for quite a while. Uh, that was sort of the initial group of our sort of friends that started off. And then we all watched what they were doing. And went, yeah, it looks like a bit of fun. So, between our sort of group of friends out of the old Andy Leg days and other, you know, people that we're still playing each other online on Thursday nights. We get on and crash into each other on PlayStation. <laughs> um, there's a whole group of people that came out of that stuff as well. Um, so there's about six or seven teams in any sort of, you know, that have got cars within yeah. our group of mates that, yeah, okay. you know, turn up to these events. Sometimes they make it, sometimes they don't. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a bunch of cars in our sort of group now. No, that's, I mean, so you you were part of the anti-lag as well? Yeah, you? back in the day and yep. stuff like that, so... For, for those playing at home and have no idea what we're talking about, it used to be a, a web... Well, no, it's not around anymore, it's gone, isn't it? No, yeah, no, it was, it's still there. Oh, it's still alive. Yeah, there's a web forum <laughs> that was, you know, all car-based before the days of Facebook and, yeah. You know, Facebook's like killed that. Did you see the other day, the Aussie, yeah. Yeah, Aussie yeah. V8 closed down as well? Yeah. yeah. That's really sad. That's... That's that's very sad because you know a lot of that a lot of you got, I mean I'm assuming you guys did yeah. a lot of people met that way yeah absolutely so I know the race wars guys I mean a lot of you you know yeah. those guys yeah. from that yeah pretty that, much that's a lost part of mm. you know we'll never get that back really because you don't I don't think Facebook has the ability to bring people together like that in a forum you know oh, some of them do but it also depends on the age demographic you know yeah. a lot of us have sort of moved on yeah you know, people have got families and lives and stuff mm. like that from that age group whereas yeah the facebook groups have meetups and you know there's still a, a lot of the car groups that have facebook you know dedicated mate pages and stuff yeah, like that they yeah. still organize meets and get up and catch ups and all that sort of stuff so it still mm. still happens it's just we've moved on in life i suppose yeah. yeah yeah maybe whatsapp's taken over a bit as well whatsapp groups yeah yeah it's definitely a bit of that i mean most of the annual guys i'm in a group with a whole lot of them yeah and there's probably about 50 of us in there but it's just a you know we basically talk crap each day to each yeah. other <laughs> yeah, yeah. with yeah. about one percent of series stuff you know 99 percent of it's just us ripping the crap out of each other mm. yeah speaking of awesome events Goodwood Festival of Speed, my favourite, one of my favourite <laughs> events. I love this. It'd be nice to go to Britain. This t- you guys, you've done it before. I've done Have it. you done it, Denver? You've no, I would like to get there one year. I've been seeing some of the highlights. Some of them not good. There was a McLaren F1 GTR that got punched into a hay bale <laughs> and then one of the old Benetton F1 cars. Yeah. Just, uh, did you, and yeah, the Leighton House car yeah, as well. Yeah, oh, yeah. He, he whacked that pretty hard, didn't he? Yeah, that, <laughs> that's not going to be a cheap repair. No, no, no. 
Nah, and uh, I didn't. Did, I was telling Johnny before. Did anyone catch the the Jaguar? Mark yeah, one? I saw that one. Lost the wheel. Yeah, into the crowd. Into see the you crowd. later. Oh, that was nice. But did you see that entire run? Yeah. So did that look unusual to you? Like that massive burnout he did at the start? Yeah, it did actually. Well, like, I was like, what? I was looking at that thinking to myself, that looks really peculiar. That guy, <laughs> he laid this massive burnout in the Jaguar Mark One, And then you could just see he was like drifting the car every single yeah. corner. It must have loaded up the hub too much and off she went. Just British engineering at its yeah. <laughs> was full of Well, it didn't have enough banana peel in it. <laughs> but, don't you reckon, but don't you reckon it looked really weird? No, it did. burnout at the start? No, thing? the launch, even the launch. Yeah, oh, the launch, he was just baked it. I was like, they've only got like an inline six or something in them. Like, is this guy must have had it loaded up to all 4,500 RPM or whatever. Like, I think it had the original motor in it. Oh, well, I'm, I'm doubtful of that. Did you see? Mind you, they were a twin cam. They were one of the first twin cams, those Jags. That was what they were famous for. Anyway, I could digress in history on that one, but that's... um. Did you see Jensen's button effort in the NASCAR this morning? Not this morning. Oh, no, I saw no. it Sunday, Friday. It, that was a fog show and a half. Go look it up. Okay, Friday. <laughs> <laughs> that was huge. I'm surprised it was treadmill. Like, I thought there was going to be belts coming out of it by the end. It was a massive skid. Actually, well, speaking of, mate, I made a point here. Um, it's awesome that you know none of us got to go, of course, but... um. With all the YouTube and even well, Goodwood Goodwood themselves do an update every day and put little small clippets up. Except, and except for two days ago, they actually cancelled one of the days. Yeah, Saturday, yeah. Saturday, Saturday yeah. got cancelled for the strong wind. Mm. Which mm. I actually watched. Uh, one of the only only one reporter was allowed in on the sad day, the day they cancelled, and they um like they pulled ripped, they ripped the roofs off everything. Yeah, the and they moved cars, the umbrellas. They took all the cars. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And he, he said, point taken, there was a, a couple of million dollar cars, and he, the, oh, apparently one of them was the Ferrari, oh, I always get it wrong, it's a 60 million dollar Ferrari. I was going to say, a million dollars would be cheap. That'd be the GDO. Yeah, that's it. It's got to be the, yeah, the yeah. And they were, eh? the GDA, yeah, yeah, that's it, the 250. They were most worried about that, because apparently it, it's, it's basically a one of one now, almost. Isn't that the drummer from... Not Pink Floyd. Is it Pink Floyd? Is it his? What's the drummer Nick? I thought it belonged to the radio host guy. No. British British band. I can't remember. Anyway, not Def Leppard. No, no, no. no. Def Leppard. no he's, he's got get... both arms. Yeah, <laughs> you beat me to it. I... No, um, Nick. Anyway, it don't um, worry about it. it. It escapes me right now. I thought that was his. Not Motorhead. Not Motorhead. No, no, um... it's a mainstream band. Not Queen or something. No, no. Yeah, what's his name? The drummer. Oh, really? Oh, not um, the guitarist, bro, the drummer. Not Brian. Um, Nick, his first name is. That's all I know. Anyway, <laughs> Nick anyway. there's people listening <laughs> right now yelling at the yeah. yelling at yeah, their sorry. phone. Yeah, yeah, okay. anyway, and we are, we, are, we should know actually because we are on a radio show and we'll, we'll take call a ten. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the drummer? He's, he's got one Far anyway. Out. Anyway, doesn't matter. But yeah. yeah. No. I, okay. I didn't know they removed the cars from the the grounds. Wow. Yeah. We hope you're liking this podcast. If you are, head to our iTunes or Spotify um, podcast channel and like and subscribe to us there. Also, head to our website, tnpmedia.au. You can get all of our episodes, every single one we've ever recorded, from our website there as well. 
There's also a heap of YouTube content, so head to our YouTube channel and subscribe to us there. That's Talking Power. Wherever you get us, make sure you like and subscribe us there. Uh, we can really do with the, uh, the subs. Thanks, everyone. Now back to the second half of the podcast. Next episode is episode 160. Uh, myself and Johnny caught up and we discussed um, the World Series of Pro Mod, the Western Nationals from the Perth Motorplex, and the Newcastle 500. It was quite a good rating episode, that one. I think the episodes where we discuss the Western Nationals always rate really well. So it was great to have Johnny in the studio and uh, we discussed all things Western Nationals, the World Series of Pro Mod, and also uh, Newcastle 500. Let's have a listen to that episode here. He rolls in, Spencer Hyde ready to go to the top light. Now Kurt Stedding, it's his turn to bring that thing in. It's a supercharged warrior battle right here in the starting line at Bradington Motorsports Park. They're in, they're gone, lights it out. Oh, look at this, in the left lane, the kid getting 32 does it. The Canadian takes the $100,000 and turns it into 122 when he crosses the border. $122,000 win for Spencer Hyde. Look at the numbers, 037, 033, the short time, 0.923 to a 930, 9.643 at 205 miles per hour. Your winner of this incredible World Series of Drag Ra Pro Mod goes to the Canadian Spencer High. Well, that was that that that. How many times have you watched that, Nick? <laughs> the loss. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. That. Welcome to another episode of the Talking Power Podcast. It is our motorsport update. I'm here. I'm host Nick DeCember. I'm here with co-host Johnny Lady. Johnny, thanks for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me. For those that we started that podcast off, that was the final in the World Series of Pro Mod that was held last weekend. What an absolutely magnificent win to um, Spencer Hyde. Now, for those that didn't quite pick up on that, he won that from the 32 spot. So he qualified in number 32. That And he won oh. the event in from the 32 spot. Amazing. I cannot remember the last time that's ever happened. However, in saying that, the first round was a chip draw. So when I say a chip draw, they basically drew first round instead of one versus 32. Yep. It was basically one, I think, in his situation. He picked up number... So Spencer Hyde, he came up against... Um, he would have come up against Johnny Camp, but no, he came up against number 19, Tommy Gray. Um, amazing. Like, but there was only, in the top 32, the whole the whole split from the top 32 was 0.056 in qualifying. Oh. So it was a really tough field. The whole field of 60 cars, 60, yeah, 60 cars, it was 0.184, the split. That's crazy. It is incredible. It is incredible. I really love to get over there one day and experience the World Series of Pro Mod. Uh, looked like an amazing event. Wes Buck, editor of, um, uh, geez, Drag Illustrated. That was the word I was looking for. Drag Illustrated. He put the event on, and what a magnificent event he's done. He's done that the last few years now. Just trying to promote Pro Mod and bring bring Pro Mod. I mean, we the prize money was a hundred thousand dollars. Now, I think Altucci's got his conversion rate wrong. I actually converted <laughs> to 136 Canadian dollars, 136,000. I don't know where he got 122. Oh, he's pretty from. excited. He was. <laughs> he was wound up. 
<laughs> it was wound up. So congratulations to Spencer Hyde, the Canadian, for turning a hundred thousand dollars US dollars into one hundred and thirty-six thousand Canadian dollars. Really interesting. Jim Halsey was the top nitrous car, but he was out in the first round. Um, and some big names that didn't qualify, Melanie Salimi, uh, previous winner Mike Bauman, Frankie Taylor, Ty Tuttero, didn't qualify. Interestingly enough, however, the, the guys that didn't qualify, and girls, sorry, got to go into a $10,000 second chance race. So the top 16 of those non-qualifiers had their own race for $10,000. Now, listen to this. Melanie actually ended up winning that on a 364-3 to win, right? That would have put her, if she'd done that in qualifying, she would have been in the number two spot. That's weird. Yeah. So (laughs) obviously the tune-up came to them. So what do you get? So you get 10 grand for winning that. that. How much do you get? I'm not sure what second for the prize bo- was. For the bottom of <laughs> the other half. <laughs> I think she's done better. Let's put it that way. Um, so, yeah, Melanie Salimi. Uh, it was a magnificent event. And like I said, it was uh, telecast on the Flow Racing channel. So I managed to catch some of it, not all of it. I saw the entire first round. And uh, I think they're doing some magnificent things in pro mod racing in the US. And, and Wes Buck and his, his entire team, actually. What do you think of the supercars, the Gen 3? Oh, where do we start? Yeah, <laughs> it's hard to know where to start. I, I don't know where to start myself. Even I, I've been reading a bit of news of, of recently, even up until today, and I haven't got this in the notes, but I, I know you'd be across it. But I'm curious to get your thoughts on, on um, James Courtney's car. Fairly, they weren't able to get that car nah. out for the race. Now, did that, that crash look like much to you? Uh no, well, I mean it's a street circuit, so it's a, it's not very forgiving. So yeah, but uh, Tim Edwards has come out. They today. did say they peel open. They're supposed to peel open easier. Is that right? Yeah, did I understand that? Yeah, yeah. But they're also supposed to be able to be put back to new easier as well. Correct. Well, yeah, but that wasn't the case. No. Um. So the sub clip. Didn't fit. Didn't, yeah. Look, is it just a weird, is it just that weird, ca- well, let's just hope, because if it's not, then that's a big problem, isn't it? They're not, the problem is, as Tim Edwards put it today, Tim Edwards is the principal of um, Tickford Racing. As he said today, we're not going to know until we have more crashes. Well, that's it. Yeah. You know, how, they obviously think that the car's obviously bent further than yeah, down so the track, yeah. obviously. So if they're, I don't know, Nick. So the subframe, they had a brand, they only got the subframe on Saturday. Yeah, but they couldn't bolt it on, but. Wouldn't fit. No. Yeah, so the damage is obviously transferred further down. That is supposed to be in the philosophy of the this Gen 3, but um, it, it seems to be more prone to damage. Uh, it be interesting to see what, you know, the other car, which was one, the Declan Fraser one, Declan that crashed Fraser, on yeah. the, see how, see how that one ends up. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't yeah. They didn't get that ready. They couldn't get that back out, could they? Oh, no, I don't think so because it was red flags, but I don't think they were. Yeah, but it was just a, an undersplit. That was the other thing. That was just a broken undersplitter. I mean, in, in, we're supposed to be going forward, but in the Gen 2 car, that car would have been – might have been a lap down or two, but it would have been back on the track. Yeah. But even Declan's car didn't get back well, on. We did, we did say we anticipated uh, a few casualties in the first one, didn't we? Yeah, we did. We, we did say that, but I'm I am surprised by their uh, 
inability to get the car yeah, back. I was ready. too. Yeah, yeah, and I saw photos of it today, and uh, yeah, it's it looked fairly. It didn't look like a big hit, but it looked fairly damaged. Mm. It was a trying couple of days. The thousand foot timers weren't working, so for top fuel, they go they race to the thousand foot. Um, without them working, it was hard to know who won. So in qualifying, they went off their eighth mile times to see them in qualifying. For 1,000 foot, They when it got to racing, they literally had to put two people standing there yeah. and a slow motion camera. And You know, I, I know it might sound stupid, but I didn't know that they they only raced to 1,000 foot. Yeah, 1,000 foot. I didn't foot. know that. Yeah. So many years ago, we they wanted to slow the cars down, and rather than slow them down, they just took them to a thousand foot. That was their mechanism of slowing the cars yeah, down. Okay. Um, so it's interesting. One of them was Noddy, <laughs> Kevin Prendergast was one of the flagmen. Um, look, we've all got our thoughts on that, but I think the guys, the top fuel teams, uh, endeavour to work through that because at the end of the day, you know they're racing. It's 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 a it's supposed to be professional. Um, the slow motion cameras weren't really slow mo. There's the frames. There was one race there. The, the frames just weren't. There weren't enough frames in between. I was going to say, like, yeah. you know, the speed they're doing. Like, how can you not rely on proper beams for that? <laughs> so it was it was tough. And I I'm a, I'm a big advocate of always saying to people when you go watch a top fuel event, at least for one of the rounds, go to the thousand foot. So that's what me and Mark did. We went down to the for the second round. We walked down to the thousand foot and parked ourselves at the thousand foot. I said, "I want to see how hard it is." I had no chance to, to, s- to see. Yeah, who, no who way, won. man. There was a couple of races. That's crazy. There. I said, no, no, don't know, don't know. I couldn't even pick the Street Outlaws cars <laughs> a couple of weeks ago down there. Let alone, let alone those. So, congrats to those guys. They did a magnificent job, and um, yeah, that was that was trying. Um, my thoughts. I was going to ask Simon, and I'll ask you as well. So. In top fuel, I kind of get it. We had a seven-car field. You run the all-run format. In door slammer, they had an eight-car field, but they still ran that all-run format. I'm not. I'm a traditionalist. I like to see eliminations in drag racing. In top door slammer, they ran that three-round format as well. And I'm just not. I don't know. I think in so door it's a slammer, point system basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all the cars come out for the final, and I'm not. I'm not big on that, uh, especially when you've got more eight or more cars in the field. So anyway, that's just me being the traditionalist. I I think I think it has its merit in some classes, like top fuel. I get it, but not in doors. Is it more for the spectacle yeah. that they do it for? So yeah, you 100%. just see more more often. Yeah, you see more cars going down the track. So, and a big shout out to Lisa Gregorini. Uh, that was her debut, so she licensed the car at that event, and uh, she did a magnificent job. She made it to the B final, and um, you know. T- Ran up and came up against Peter Kapiris, and um, Peter Kapiris took the win. But she did a magnificent job. Now they they call that an all female team, and not uh, the cynics would probably say, "Oh yeah," but I bet you yeah, the guys get involved as well. I can assure you, I know uh, one of the girls that are on that team, and and I can tell you that is an all female team. Sure, Daniel does look over them, and um, so does Pete as well. But when they do their most of the work happens. On Wednesday night, and yeah, of course, night, yeah, you know, and they are, these girls are there working on that car on the crew nights, 
and you know they did a magnificent job to license that car licensed in the car ran so well as well so it's a credit to lisa to daniel the entire team i think they've done a magnificent job on episode 158 we had local guys phil platcher and daniel sweeney from aussie garage tv they are now on um, community tv as well and um, we just talked with them about how they got started and the work that they do in the motoring scene in Western Australia and even over east as well. So it was great to catch up with those guys. Wow. Do you want to take this one? Yeah, sure. <laughs> well, um, when we first sort of got together and came up with the idea, we wanted to drag people's stories out about their cars. So the cars are primarily the most important part, but the stories um, run in a very close second. So we wanted to get people's stories out of them more so than just have a look at their car. We wanted to know where they came from, whether there was a family connection with the cars or whether they had to drag it out of a creek and completely rebuild it, um, that sort of thing. So yeah, yeah. Yep. So that was our focus when we got started. Yep. And, um, yeah. Ob- obviously, there's a there's a WA aspect to, to your show, um, and I... I I feel that. And do you think that's something that's been that we've kind of missed in the last probably last few years? Like, I mean, we sort of we talk. We, we, there's a lot of content out there, but I don't think there's many many guys doing what you guys do. No, we we do it kind of different from everyone else. We just don't go to just shows and just you know do the normal stuff. Film cars. We mm. want to make sure that we get it out there. We interview the people that are on at the scene yep. and um, then we want to take it back to the house we get better response when we're at the house than what we actually do at the event yeah yeah and um, yeah WA is it, it has had a bit of a gap between the car scene and what's been out there because even what we have most of our viewers are even though we're WA most of our viewers are in eastern states yep and, yep but yeah. we're still trying to promote like WA and the car scene and make it bigger over here um, because there's plenty of cars hiding around and and even the other day we were down at the southwest and there, there was a guy that apparently he's got 50 Mustangs in his shed and <laughs> we're trying to get hold of him so we can interview him but they're just hidden away and people don't know about them. How hard is that part of the job? Like A, you get a lead on someone, I know you've had a few. How, oh. how hard is that That part, like find the lead and go in the next step? Yeah, I think it's getting easier. It, a little bit easier, um, yeah. We kind of um, kind of force our way in or we, or we tell yeah. them to job and a mate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, look, some people don't want to talk to us and that's fair enough too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, our, our first response to that is, well, dob in your mate. Who, who will talk to us? And mm. generally we get someone. Yep, so, yep. Yeah. Um, and the more people we speak to, the more leads we get from them. They say, oh, I've got a mate with this and that. So so we end up with, um, you know, leads leads just from people that we've interviewed. So. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Well, we did one interview and um, from that interview, I think we end up getting five or six new people to interview from that. Mm. And um, they've got very amazing cars as well and some of them are unique. So, I mean, that, that's part of the, the gig, I guess, it is as well. Like, you've got to build your brand as well. People yep. come trusted in Aussie Garage TV and then they buy into to what you guys are doing. You're not just, you know, with respect, not just like a you know, 13 or a 16-year-old kid or a 17-year-old kid with a GoPro walking around talking to people. Yeah. Because yeah. that's, 
like we see that come and go so often, but I think you know you guys is is more more legit if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I yeah, I really, I'm, I'm enjoying what you guys do, doing. Like, tell me, you you sort of kicked off um, in February of 2022. In my view, it's been a quick climb for you guys. I think you've done really well in terms of subs and subscribers. That is, and yeah. and the the viewership. But tell us, did you think you'd get to that point so quickly in one year? We actually didn't think we'd get more than 50 people looking at us, but then no. it just went from there, didn't it? Yeah, that's it. We generally yeah. started just for our own interest and just to do a few things for the panel van club that we're in and that sort of thing, and it yep. just sort of grew from there. Yep. Um, yeah, we definitely. went with no expectations, which is a good way to go. Mm. Um, yeah. So as things built, you know, we just um, yeah put more and more effort in, and away we went. Mm. The XC was... Um, Basically, I got that project after I sold my Sandman because I had a uh, HX Sandman that was all original numbers matching and it was an original six-cylinder Sandman. It was, you couldn't touch it because it was just pristine and it had all been rebuilt and we we put about, I think I put about 90 grand into that car and then got it done um, to get it to where it needed to be. And it was a nice car and it was perfect in every way. But... It was getting harder and harder for me to drive because my legs plays up every now and again. So I just went, oh, well, time to sell it on. And the right offer came at the right time and mm. ended up moving that on for a good chunk of change. So mm. got rid of that and then I went, well, I still want to be involved in the van club and I still want to be involved in that scene. So what am I going to get next? And looked around at Holdens and Fords and tried to find a Valiant and, and all sorts of other kind of cars. At the end, I ended up finding this a couple of XCs over in the eastern states. And okay. this was probably the better out of the three of them or four of them I looked at. Um, some of them, like, you can put your fist through the actual roof and mm. they were going, oh, no, no, it's just a little bit of rust. It's like, no, <laughs> you put your fist through the roof, that's a lot. Yeah, it know, is. Yeah. kind of thing. Uh, whereas my XC's got hardly any. Um, it's pretty straightforward. It doesn't look the prettiest at the moment, but it's straightforward. But it's it's a numbers matching car. Um, when I got it, uh, I've still got the numbers matching six at the moment, even though I've taken it out. Mm. But the whole idea of that car was to change that from being um, my personal car to be more of a Aussie Garage promo car. Oh yeah. Yep. So we're going to change that up and. Um, Make it so when we rock up to a show, it represents what we do. We're going to have um, there's a projector in the back of the van come down so we can show uh, videos when we're at the shows. Yep. And it can play on a loop and things like that. And then it'll just retract up into the ceiling so no one knows it's even there. Yeah. Um, going to fix up all the interior and, and then we'll do the outside eventually. And yep. we'll keep working on it until it gets to the point where it looks good and we can roll out to shows and it's going to be perfect. This episode here was arguably probably our biggest one for the year. It was episode 164. We were invited to the Penrite opening here in Western Australia and it coincided with the V8 Supercar round. So we were lucky enough to talk with Dave Reynolds, driver of the 26 Penrite Mustang, uh, also Matt Payne, driver of the 19 Penrite Mustang, Dave Couchy, team principal, and uh, the CEO of Penrite, Toby Diamond. 
Uh, we also caught up with Mark Chapman, top door slammer, fame, and uh, Michelle Dolan, and the, and um, we had a quick chat with them as well. This was episode 164 back in May. We bought we bought that uh, chassis. It was a um, Holston uh, kit chassis, yep. and uh, I bought um, a Mustang '67 fastback in pieces, basically the junkyard in Arizona. And Gary and I and another guy called Boris Pacey, Carl Pacey. Yes. All three of us made that car up. He made all the moulds because he's fiberglass skill. And, uh, yeah, that's how that came around. We've still got that vehicle. We brought it out to race the Americans. Straight outlaws, yeah. (laughs) But I broke a piston in it. So we tuned it up a bit because it was always a little bit lame. So when we bought that Alki Pro from Greg Gower, obviously we use it with the big car. But for the little, the Mustang, we'd never had that sophistication, so it was just a, like a bit of a guess. But it was a bit lean, so we had a, um, we used to have only a 110 pump on that, so which is the Enderley pump, fuel pump. Yep. So that car now has got the, the Mustang's got a 990 on it. So, so when we did all the figures, it was a bit lean. So when we we changed the jetting and that, even when we started it up at the back at the shop, it was. Like I could hear it had a bit more power, yeah. and it just munted the piston. It broke the whole, pulled the gudgeon pin out of it because they were basically just Chevy forgings, yeah. JE things. They're, they're fine, but they're a little bit light on, a bit thin, yeah. you know. So, yeah. but yeah. by Lane, he's saying it was still running a seven-second pass, but yeah. compared to what he's used to now, five point eight two yeah. and whatnot, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's considered lame. Well, the best we've done in that is five eighty-two. And the air was good that day, and the car was going good. We've changed that one a bit now. It's not running as good, just but we haven't got the ratio and the diff right and yeah. a few other little things. But we ran it all season just to to see. How we, we used to have a, a lighter weight diff in it, and it would blow up all the time. So yeah. we've got that Mark Williams 11-inch in it now, which yeah. is absolutely great. So yeah, yeah. Anyway. I'll stop waffling and I'll let you guys. No, no, say no, no. I, I, I enjoy the waffle. <laughs> Sorry, Nick. Just the, the body of the one built behind. Is that built here? Is yeah, that it's made built here by in Anderson. Australia? Murray Anderson in Melbourne yeah. made them. He made. There's three. Uh, there's three That's or four the of them. There's Peter Capiris has got the the same body. It's out the same mould. Um, Jeff Grattons has one in Sydney, and there's another one that's been built well Murray has sold it and it's just gone wherever the guy's never completed it so I don't know where that is but, but we're the only fury the other two we are called Saratoga. Saratoga. yeah we called ours a fury yeah. because we put when we did the stickering and the paint we just put the few extra uh, body molds on it which yeah because all those bodies are built by the same company you know and then the different like Plymouth would get it and they would put a different you know chrome molding on it here yes. and that so that's what we did oh yeah yeah yeah. I was going to say, you know, I didn't even know you had the Mustang. You talked about it. I had to ask you before. What I, I, The only reason why I knew you still had it was when I've you did it. your video oh, yeah. at the, the, the call-out. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, call-out video, I said for oh, Jeff. No. Oh, they still got, they still <laughs> got the, they've still got the, they still got the Mustang. I didn't even know. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff likes that video. He told me down the drags a couple of times. <laughs> so that's the best one he's ever had. It's great to have. We have the the big. I said when Dave Coucher came on before, I said we've got the big boss here, but now we've got the real big boss here. We've got Toby Diamond all the way over to my left, CEO of Penrite. We've got David Reynolds, driver, driver, organic of component the, of the number twenty six Ford Mustang, Penrite Mustang, and newcomer 
not really newcomer, but newcomer to the top tier of supercars, Matt Payne here with us. Guys, thanks for joining us on the podcast. It's a great honour to have you guys on, actually. Thank you. Thanks Thanks for having us. Dave, we'll start with you. I don't think you'll ever see us, like, three get interviewed at once. No, no, probably not. So this is quite unique. (laughs) Quite a unique situation. Dave, we'll start with you. Um, Talk us through... The new car, it looks absolutely mag- well. One's already gone, but the other one that's still <laughs> over there it looks absolutely magnificent. Your, I know there's been some little bit of negativity about the new car, but yep. from a fan point of view, I have to be honest with you, it's a much better presenting car. Yes, they do look a lot better. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's one thing they've done right. They look better and sound better. Yeah. So <laughs> I think naturally over the the course of the year and the next two years, we'll see a, a better car come to fruition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. Tell us where you sit with it at the moment. Yeah, I suppose the um, the biggest difference, I suppose, for us right now is like last year, last last year was ten years evolution of that car. So yep. after ten years, you get pretty good at feeling one car, driving one car, setting up one car, and the whole feel you get through the front tire and everything, and the racing, everything. Everyone knew what the knew the product they had. Yeah. So now they've sort of changed everything. It's a completely different car. It's got way less downforce. There's a lot more set parts in it. The the parameters we have in the front end and everything are a lot more set, a lot more duller for us to drive. So it's just going to take a lot of time for the drivers to sort of adapt to it. Yeah. You know, we, we sort of have to forget what we had in the past and just concentrate on what we have in the future. So yeah, it's it's a it's a huge fundamental change for us drivers and the engineers as well because the parameters they can play with now are, are a lot more simple. Mm. But surprisingly, they make a big difference to, to car performance. So if you... The, the small chains make a big difference where before we'd have to change quite a big significant change to get a big feeling change yeah so yeah they're, they're just they're just kind of they're just they're just different and that's what everyone's complaining about yeah yeah matt you come into the sport my first question to you matt is what what's in the water in new zealand because is there any chance an Australian's going to win the championship? For the last five years yeah me yeah, <laughs> we've had kiwis win the championship tell us you've come from a when I looked into your resume, the Toyota series, you downplayed it a little bit over there. That's a we've got Lando Norris coming from there, Lance Stroll, like some pretty big names coming from that category. I didn't realise how huge that was. Yeah, I think um, you know, like we uh, obviously I did go karting for a long time and you know, like I said before, you know, we you either stay in go karting for a long time or, or you, you sort of stop and you join the car racing community in New Zealand which is, you know, uh, probably used to be a little bit bigger than it is now but mm. um, yeah, like you know, we've got great tracks in New Zealand um, great, great go-karting tracks from what I from what I think, so um, I think that creates pretty good drivers just yep. with the diversity we have And you um, start super young Yeah, like, like I started go-karting I, I actually got a go-kart for my uh, fifth birthday and I knew about it before I was five so I started <laughs> real young and and like we we just went practicing for a while but um yeah. yeah you know we always have different weather probably a little bit more rain than in Australia so that definitely changes it but um yeah you know like just plenty of there's plenty of Kiwi guys out there just wanting to prove that you know we're, we're just as good as you know everyone else even though we're from a small country so I think that sort yeah. of drives us a little bit more as well Sure. There's, there's a lot more to it if you. Yeah, well, I, like I, I raced over there. Their, their tracks are quite technical. Like yeah. you actually got to really think about how you drive and a, a car and a track around a circuit. It's, yeah. it's really funny. Um, plus, you, get, you know, you do get your license, your full license when you're 13, or racing license when you're 
13 we're in Australia it's 16 yeah so by the time like he's 19 he's got the same experience as a 21 year old here so yeah you know it's um, that's that's probably why they come here and they, they are young to start but they've actually got quite a lot of experience yeah Toby yeah, over Thank to you. you on the controls of, of Penrite. He's the big so, dog. He no, is. No, no, no. Mum's boss. Mum's the big uh, dog. Mums. Where's mum? I don't Talk. know where mum is. <laughs> How amazing is that story? I wasn't. I don't think. This I don't think is we're going to the best yeah, time that's to just annoying. be the recording a podcast. The Toby, talk, how, how lovely it is for your mum to come over here as well. I wasn't aware of that. Aaron didn't give me the brief on that. Yeah. But, uh, so that is, that's amazing. But talk us through, let's go back a few years, 2017. Mm. This man delivered what mm. oh, Penrite's. Yeah, it was. Bit, one of their biggest wins, I would say, even for Betty as well. Even for myself. That was yeah, huge. It, it, it was. It put Penrite on the map. Yeah. Um, it was an amazing event. Uh, I went up there on uh, the Saturday and Dave... I think you qualified second, second right? Um, I think you, uh, uh, it was um, McLaughlin, right? I think you got pole. And, they were um, probably cheating, you know. Probably Ooh. cheating. No, we won't go there. <laughs> um, but um, I remember being up there and it was this amazing feeling. The car was really, really strong. Um, and Luke was probably, probably Luke 16th. Yielding, yeah. yeah, Luke Yielding was probably 16th or 17th. Yeah, but no, it wasn't there was a good vibe in the team, wasn't there? It was a good it was, vibe. It was a very, very good vibe. Um, it was all happening. But it rained all day. Uh, yeah, there you go. There goes the car. Uh, it's been raining all day, uh, but it was an amazing event. Um, Dave just drove so well. But I remember Shane coming through the pack, and but he was barging everyone off and, and, and spinning and stuff like I that. Had, but, I had his but it was our second year in supercars, and it was amazing um, achievement for for Betty and, and, and Barry and you know the Erebus team who we're not with anymore. But um, it was great. It yeah. was, and, and Dave, obviously, we don't talk about 2018, but it could have been back to back for us. Yeah, but, it but should it have was, been really. That's like yeah, still, still sucked, like kills me doesn't it but you know probably still kills you too yeah (laughs) but you know i spoke to um you know chris wall smith who used to be the ceo of uh, super cheap and he had been sponsoring supercars for 20 years and never won a bathurst and here we are penrite turns up after two years and wins bathurst yeah episode 171 even though it was late in the year rated really well and was quite high up our list that was the episode we did with Andy Kale and Mike Pearson. Uh, Mike is from Beat the Heat WA and Andy Kale, as a lot of you would know, Therapy on Wheels. They had a big charity race, Race for a Cause, down at the Perth Motorplex, which coincidentally Andy ended up winning. That was on the 28th of October. And uh, they were raising money for their respective charities, Breast Cancer Care of WA and Care Flight Organisations. So let's have a listen to that episode. It was actually one of my favourites for the year. I think you, you hit it on the head, that one big word for both Andy and I is awareness. Mm. Um, awareness for what we do for um, through our common interest of drag racing, our passion Absolutely. for drag racing. But, yeah, it's awareness of uh, other factors and uh, the reason why we both put our teams together. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, no. Uh, we've decided to have a bit of a race-off. Um, and so initially uh, it's a fundraiser. We both have our own charities um, that we've selected and uh, people go onto the website, they choose who they think is going to win the race um, and make a donation. Those do- The donations then go into one big kitty mm-hmm. and on the 28th we have a race off. It's the best of five mm-hmm. um, and the winner 
then or the winner's charity then gets 60% of whatever's in the kitty and the loser's charity gets 40% of what's in the kitty. So nobody loses really. No, no, no. no, no. We don't take a cent. This is all going to our chosen One charities, yeah, 100%. 100% goes yep. to the charity. Yep. All right, so we need to talk about the charities because I did a little bit of research and I and I I know about your charity obviously. I have to be honest, Mike, I'm a bit embarrassed. I didn't know about Care Flight. So please tell us about Care Flight because I'm really curious. I read about what they do, haven't heard of them, but I think what they do is absolutely magnificent. Sensational. Yeah, yeah it, look, it is. It's, I mean, a lot of people, you say Care Flight and they automatically think of RFDS or something like that. And mm. they're more than that. You know, they, they do. Um, Obviously, they do do a lot of the, the medical type stuff as well. Um, but that also, also encompasses people that maybe um, regionally based thousands of kilometres from a road, so to speak, um, that they have to take them somewhere. But they'll then also take them home. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also do a hell of a lot of first responder training. Yep. Okay, is training people that may respond to an incident. And they're not, we're talking medical, not necessarily road trauma. But obviously, that makes up a fairly big um, chunk of first responders type time as well. Um, they are not for profit. Um, they don't receive any um, government funding mm. or anything like that sort of thing. And we, we were actually shopping around. Um, obviously, our theme is road trauma. Um, and it was very, very we, – we couldn't find anything that did not have a government link to it sort of thing. And we, we, we chose not to go down that path. Um, we wanted a not-for-profit association. And um, all the guys put their thinking caps on. Uh, one of my other sponsors um, – Glenet Custom Mechanics um, has been a regular sponsor of CareFlight and he said he gave me something to have a bit of a read and I I had a bit of a read and I, I flicked it around to the guys and they, they yep, thumbs up. Magnificent. Um, they're charity. our chosen charity yeah. um, and we're probably a little different to, to Andy's uh, charity in as much as she's um, probably, that's her chosen charity for the duration type of thing of your team whereas from our perspective we won't use the same one Mm. um year for year and we're kind of hoping we can run this for the next 10 years um every year and um you know we'll be looking at um other types of charities um mental health uh men's health um ptsd Mm -hmm. um even some of the cancers juvenile cancer juvenile diabetes there's a heap of stuff um that came into the mix um uh, we we decided to go this way um, with the stuff that Careflight are doing, not in the air as mm. well, you know, yeah, okay. with their training and things like that. So we're proud um, that they um, want to come on board with us and we're kind of hoping we start ramping things up now that mm. um, the donations start picking up. I think between Andy and I, when I mean, Andy spitballed this idea when Street Outlaws were here mm. and um, she um, we, we had a bit of a discussion. Um, we'd love nothing better than to have about 10K in the kitty. You know? yeah. That's what yeah. we would love to. Um, that That's pretty much our goal. I mean, like, you know, more than that would be great. But, you know, if we could get it to around the 10K, it means, mm. you know, somebody's getting 6K, somebody's getting 4K. Yeah. That'd and in, nice. Yeah, in the, big, in the big scheme of things, um, you know, you're not going to change the world with that, but every little bit counts. Episode 157, this was one that really surprised me. Um, I didn't think it would rate this well, um, but I, I love to be proven wrong. We actually caught up with uh, model car collector Stephen Salvaranis, and uh, 
he's, when I say a model car collector, he's an avid model car collector. And uh, he would arguably have one of the biggest collections in Australia. Uh, we went through his collection and caught up with Steve. This episode rated at Socks Off. So it lends me to think that, you know, there's quite a big following for model cars. 118th, 143 scale, all that sort of uh, stuff. So it was great to catch up with Steve. This was a really great episode and it was great having Steve on. Last count, I was saying to Johnny, uh, when he came over, probably lost count at about 500. Oh, wow. 118th. So 500 yeah, 118th. I've got north of 500. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That's an, that's an incredible feat, really. I mean, when you think about that, that's that's a lot of that's a lot of real estate, isn't it? A Absolutely. lot of space because they take up, you know, one eighteenth takes up a fair fair Correct. amount of space. What I want to know, I only have one criticism, right? I've only yeah. one criticism. <laughs> Not enough Fords. I don't think you've got enough Fords. No, I've got I've got quite a few Fords as well, but they all still boxed up. Okay. As well. well, you need to get them out. But oh, in saying do. that, to, let's be honest. I noted you had the important ones. I did notice that you had the imported ones. I did notice there, yeah, Dick Johnson's green's tough. Absolutely. I noticed the the 2006, 7 and 8 Bathurst winning uh, Falcons as well. So I always call them the... And I even noticed, I think, if from Johnny's video that he's done, I think I got a glimpse of the 98 EL Falcon winner there yes, as well. I so do. I saw that Absolutely. in there as well. So I thought, I that's pretty do. cool. That's... Because in the 90s, Ford fans like myself, we were struggling, weren't we? Because yeah. like, the wins at Bathurst were like, yeah. there was 94 with Dick Johnson. Oh, we, we've got a yeah. couple of lot strips, but... <laughs> right well, 92, year, yeah, like 92. Last year was a couple. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Seaton's one that he blew the yeah, motor. Yeah, he blew the motor. Blew the yeah, motor 93, yep. yep. But I noticed that you had the 98 winner as well, and that was like, there was a, that was a big drought breaker, that, that, that Falcon, you know, to win that race. Absolutely. Unfortunately, it was Jason Bright. Yes, it was. Brighty yeah, and, and Steve Richards. We'll take Correct. it, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take what we can. We'll yeah. take what we can, absolutely. <laughs> He's always been my hero. You know, watching the, I think it was the 87 Bathurst and the VL. Mm. Um, you mm. know, watching that, that was fantastic. You know, and to see him, you know, he got third, I think. And later on, on the day. Yeah, on yeah. the day. Then later on he won. But, um I got to meet him uh, first time in 97 at Wanneroo and um, I got to meet him and Bev, beautiful people. And uh, it was just so, it's like he had all the time in the world for you. Yeah. And um, I really, you know, he'd always ask questions about you, what do you do and all that. Um, I told him about my collection. I even said to him, you can come over whenever you want to, you have to have a look. But, um, and he was always engaging, always such a nice person and um, I liked him. Yeah. Since from yep. there, so, yeah. 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 Yep. So our last episode for uh, this best of was actually our Street Outlaws review. This rated really well. As you know, our co-host Simon Travellini was part of the Street Outlaws um, when they came here to Western Australia and participated with his BA. So this episode was quite popular amongst our listeners because we did lead up. A lot of our listeners knew that Simon was participating. So it was only natural that this one was going to be a quite a popular episode. So... This one rated quite well. It's no surprise to me. Nah, I was getting my head around anything. I've got a workshop full of work. I was getting my head around that. I was looking at the work going, when am I going to slide my car in between these thousand jobs that I need to do? Never, as it turns out. So talk us through 
talk us through the event. Like we've just had the No Prep Kings. There's a lot. We've all three of us went. Johnny went as well. He can make it here to this podcast. But all of us went. We learned a lot from it. So we'll all talk about what we learned from it. Um, the thing is, I'm not really sure. When I signed my life away, mm. <laughs> I'm not really sure what I'm allowed to talk about and what I'm not allowed to talk about because it's kind of like uh, talking about this in a way is like spoiler alert. Yeah, uh, you know, on a number of. I mean, there was a live feed, I believe. Mm. I believe it was one of your friends, Todd, that was getting chased <laughs> yeah. around by the security guard. Do I have friends? <laughs> Yes, he's distancing himself. This, this, I was amazed how long that feed went on for. Can it went all know? night. Yeah, I, I was absolutely amazed. He, you know what he did, which I thought was gold, like absolute gold. He got all of the people that I know that that um, know about it, right? That are in the industry, just think this guy is a hero now, right? Mm. Uh, number one, he was in places like he go wave to the camera, guns, and I'd be like. How did you even get here? <laughs> like, where, how did you get a pass to stand there? That's a hot zone, you know? <laughs> um, but what he did, he moved uh, from place to place to place around the motorplex. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And when he got pinned on one particular occasion, he goes, look, look, no dramas. I don't want any trouble, but you need to get someone from Discovery to come here and tell me that I'm not allowed to do this because till that happens... You know, I you're just a security guard, mate. I don't know you're from Bar of Soap, you know. You like <laughs> and then they went and got someone and went back there and he was gone. He was like the Scarlet Pimpernel. <laughs> they sick him here, they sick him there. They sick him everywhere. But you know some of his feeds actually looked really good. Like I saw people posting photos of his feed yeah. on social media thinking, hang on, do I, where do I pay? Because Friday night I didn't go. And I said, where do I pay to get that that feed? I thought it was a legit feed. Yeah, yeah, same, same. <laughs> like, oh, so I didn't make it down Friday, but I know, yeah. I well, I was working on the, the cylinder heads, so we were driving down. Yeah. All right, so we better start. We'll start on Monday. Yeah, that's <laughs> probably a good that's idea. Start, that's start, where we start should start, Monday. right? So, so. Uh, the car is all in one piece. I'll set the scene. Car is all in one piece. It's on the uh, stands out the front of Allfast. Uh, or out the front of one of the bays of Allfast. And this is B.A. Baracus, by the way. B.A. Baracus, Just in case yes. you're wondering, it's B.A. Baracus. So uh, at that point in time, it had been 10 years since uh, I'd run on big tyres. And these are bigger than my big tyres. Which, which begs the question... <laughs> When they ask, are you on small tyres or big tyres? How big are small tyres? <laughs> anyway. Because, <laughs> you know, everything's bigger in Western Australia. It's true. <laughs> we're the Texas of Australia. We're, yeah. we're, we're bigger than Texas. We're it's bigger true. than Texas. Anyway. So, uh, the startup goes without a hitch. Started it off the starter motor. Um, on The onboard starter motor. Without a hitch, uh, I'm going through selecting gears and all of a sudden I lose the trans brake and I'm like, hmm? Anyway, we turn it off. We fire it up again. I try again. I'm looking at my pressure gauges and stuff. Nah, nah, there's something not right. And 
I, I tell the guys, look, there's something wrong with the trans. I suspect that the new uh, oil pump that we fitted to the trans, now the old oil pump, remember when we won the radial meeting, mm. the, the, the last time we raced the car, mm. as in, you know, competition, um, because we hot lapped it, because they made us hot lap it, mm. because they were trying to stop the Hemi. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to put a handbrake on B.A. Baracus. B.A. Baracus is bigger than that. Anyway, um, the trans got really hot, and even though we were cooling it down between rounds, it was a big ask for the trans. Because normally, you know, it's 45 minutes mm. minimum between rounds, and they were turning us around in 10 minutes. Mm. We didn't even check the rockers, like pull the front end off, put fuel in it, cool the trans down, go again. Mm. So uh, I suspected that the damage happened back then, I bought a brand new oil pump from Linko and I asked him, you know, have you guys sorted these out? Because I, I have always modified my own pumps. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it's all good. It's all sorted. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, mm. no. So it seized the the oil pump gear and broke the gear. You can see there. And that oh, yeah. took out the, the, the nose of the torque converter. You can see the crack and it's all welded together. Um. So as I was lying under the car, undoing the torque converter bolts uh, while the rest of the crew were working on the car to pull the transmission out so that I could repair it, um, I suddenly realised how much I missed my wife and my kids. <laughs> and, and, you know, was this really all worth it? Uh, a month is, in, in business terms, me not, you know, turning spanners and making money for the business is a long time. Yeah. And it's probably going to take six months to recover from that. Mm. Anyway, so I worked through the night and into the next day and made one oil pump out of the two. We had it back in the car for Tuesday night to do a fire up and go through the gears. And Tuesday night marked to the day exactly 12 years from the first time we started the car up. Wow. Wow. So everything went well. Wednesday was spent packing the truck, uh, packing all the tools up, trying to condense everything that's in all fast into one truck, <laughs> <laughs> leaving enough room for a barbecue and, of course, the race car. <laughs> that poor little truck it gets no love. That, no, it doesn't care any love at all. Anyone that wants to sponsor a rebuild on the body of that truck, hit me up. <laughs> Tell you what I got out of this, right? Number one, the Americans didn't really win. The Australians, you know, actually kicked their asses. I mean, we crashed three cars to their one, mm. right? So, you know, people go there to watch the crashes. They're not yeah. there to watch the racing. <laughs> you know, that's really sad but true. Yeah. I, I hate saying that. I hate, uh, I hate the crashes. Well, uh, look, the Americans were, were, were that blown away that we beat them that they tried to crash a car on the way to Queensland. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, you know, that's number one. Number two, farm truck, fast as it is, they knew they were going to get smoked by the Camry. That's why they looked at it, they, they got scared, and then they, they went and raced a vet's car. I mean, you know, of course they're going to beat a vet's car, you know. <laughs> they only just beat her, eh? Like, they, were, they may as well started out, started from the 60 foot, the way they were that far in front, where they started from. <laughs> And they only just got the job done. At the end of the night, I spoke to Asian as I was packing up farm truck. And I said, what happened to the Camry? And he, said, he looked at me. He was 
tired. He was half asleep. And I yeah, went, he was he was very tired, wasn't he? And I went, no. <laughs> that would have been pretty jet lagged. Yeah. And I went, yeah. no, no, no. The Camry that was behind B.A. Baracus. And I called it B.A. Baracus. And he goes, oh, that Camry. And I went, yeah, that Camry. He goes, I've heard so many stories about this Camry. <laughs> I said, look it up, mate. I said, and I said, talk and power podcast, look it up. So on the off chance you're listening, Asian. They did talk about it. They did talk yeah, about I said, it. Yeah, on the, the odd, odd, odd chance you're listening. That's scared, mate. That's scared. That's scared. scared. That's scared. Come back and we'll we'll talk about it. Camry's such a nice looking car compared to that, <laughs> that truck. You know, uh, I, I got some I got some really funny Camry stories. That that thing there should have its own um, uh, OnlyFans page. I'm telling you, <laughs> that's a good idea. Well, I, we should start an OnlyFans page for cars. I'm telling you, the amount of times. I'm driving along in that, and people will pull alongside, and I'll just be, you know, because you just, you know, and and you'll see him pointing, and I'll look over, and 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 they'll okay. <laughs> It's true, right? Oh, we're both playing at home. Gonzo's giving the th- thumbs up and a, like exaggerated smile on his face. All right, because it's got it's getting a cult following. It has. It's hilarious. People, just, people down there on there was a couple of people I was down there with on Saturday night. Some friends of friends that were like, "Is that the Camry? The Camry? <laughs> That's and the I, one." And I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> and of course, I've got a I've got a, a video I can kind of show to people um, about the Camry. All the videos you can show. It's funny. Oh, yeah, it's funny. Yeah, anyway, and they went. Thank you. Oh wow. I said, yeah, I know the guy. Like, you know, I'm, I'm famous. <laughs> I know the guy. Yeah. They're G-rated, not even just PG. Yeah. So anyway, there was Everything a few... Everything we do is G-rated. There's a few surprise people, hey. It was a very... Anyway. It was... Uh, yeah, it's 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 funny. It's it's just funny. <laughs> but, you know, it is what it is. All right, well, that's it for the, our best of 2023. It was great having you along for this episode, and it was great having you along for the year. We've got a lot planned for next year as well, or well, this year, sorry, 2024. So we're really looking forward to have everyone uh, join us for the ride next year. Uh, we promise to do, if not more, as much as we did last year, but if not more, that it, uh, we're really looking forward to the a big 2024. Uh, we thank everyone for tuning in and listening. Uh, it's great to have you on board. I'd like to thank also 88.5 FM for their support over the year. It's been great, and we look forward to doing more with them as well. All right, take care, everyone. Thanks. Thanks.